Hi, friends. We just wanted to let you know a little bit more information about this episode in advance. We recorded this episode closer to the beginning of the year when things weren't quite as they are today. Our intent behind telling you the story of the Night Witches is to tell you a story about a strong group of women who defied the odds and even in many ways their leadership to fight the evil that was the Nazis. We want you all to know, given the atrocities that we're seeing unfold, that we do not condone or agree with the current Russian actions or policies. It's truly horrific. We stand with our friends in Ukraine. We apologize if this episode comes across as hurtful or insensitive. Love you guys. Love you. Everybody. Welcome back to Fabulous. I'm Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Shannon Payne. And today I'm going to be talking about the history of flight attendants. What are you talking about? And I'm going to be talking to you guys about the Night Witches, who are just some really badass women. I'm excited for I'm that. I'm so excited to talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> that is cool. Um, do we have any homework from last time? Um, I had some weird things that kind of came up that I realized after some episodes that we did. Okay, let's hear it. I don't know how I didn't find this because you and I both love T Swift, right? Like Taylor's it's my, my girl. Whole entire heart. How did I not know on folklore she has a song about the red string of fate? Oh, I was gonna bring it up and then I was like, stop talking about Taylor Swift. How, like, how did I not remember this? <laughs> you wanna hear something even deeper about it? Yes. So on red here, we're gonna get into to deep <laughs> shit. <laughs> This is this is OG Taylor lore. Uh-huh. So on red, she talks about like loving you was red. Yes. And then on um, lover, she sings a song called I think it's daylight. Um, now that she's with the guy she's with now, Joe, we yeah. all really like. She says, I once believed that love would be burning red, but it's golden. Mm, okay. And so when she does her song about the string, it's a golden string. Yes. Because loving Joe is not red. It's, it's golden. It's golden. Like daylight. Yes. It's the song. I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. And I just... It's, it's a lot. I don't know how <laughs> so I pretty. didn't find this before, but I love it. It's a pretty song, huh? It's so pretty. And the little... The guitar in the background does that. Um, you know that's that... Adele song, the song Someone Like You yep. from 21, um, the melody's doing something slower, but in the background, the the accompaniment's just like moving, not yep. at a too fast pace, but something that like it just, it feels like it's winding you up to a crescendo right. in the back. Yes. And I feel like the accompaniment in that song does the same thing the string song okay yeah i think it's I can like see that. it's like winding you up to something yeah it doesn't blow up as much as um someone like you gosh when someone like you just goes blah and you just it's just huge yeah make you cry in the car is what i'll do 100 percent. adele does that to me a lot mm-hmm. gosh yeah. that bitch i listen to her when i'm in a mood and maybe it's good and maybe it's bad but i like how foul-mouthed she is in real life me too <laughs> me too sorry mom it's fine <laughs> i love it i do too. oh i yeah, love that about I do elizabeth too. taylor too yep she just cusses people out sometimes get it <laughs> speaking of elizabeth taylor I did some additional things with Elizabeth Taylor. Ooh, what you got? You have your signature set now. Shut up. Uh-huh. <laughs> Forever Elizabeth. Yes. Should we smell it right now? I think we need to. 
anything we need to. How did she know I love hot pink so much? Right? It was, like, it was so perfect. As soon as I saw it, I was like, she knew. Like, this was meant for Elizabeth. <laughs> oh, look Very how fancy that bottle is, right? Oh, it's kind of like, what do you call it, opalescent? It sure is. Hopefully this doesn't stink. Well, we'll see. <laughs> and then we'll sit in here with it for a while. Oh, I don't hate it. Here. Okay, let's see. I don't know the words for describing perfume, but it's kind of fresh. Oh, it is. Ooh, that, I got a big old spray of that one, so we're <laughs> going to be smelling this for a hot minute. Yeah, no, I hate it. Mm, I wonder if it tells you the tones or the... Are they called tones? Right? It's definitely flammable. That's what it says. It's important not to be by an open flame at the moment in this room. Sorry, I'm going to Google one I, more thing about it. Perfect. Okay. Forever Elizabeth... Notes. They call them notes. Notes. Perfect. <laughs> you know what tones is from? Um, Masters of the Universe. Did you ever see that movie? The yes. He-Man movie? Yeah. The yep. tones. The tones. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The notes are um, apple, blackberry, green notes. I don't know what green's supposed know. to smell like. What? My, apparently this. And Italian mandarin. Oh. The middle notes are tiara flower egyptian jasmine that suits her yeah for sure orchid violet and rose and the base notes are woody notes sandalwood white musk cloves and amber i don't know what amber smells like but i'm getting it yeah whatever that is i was gonna call it vanilla Mm -hmm. but it's not it's no no it's not vanilla it's whatever amber and i guess i get like I feel like I'm standing in a garden, so I feel like the green notes, whatever that is, is coming into right, play. whatever green is. Whatever green is supposed to smell like. Thank you so much. That yeah. was really thoughtful. I just, <laughs> it had to happen. We had to have your scent at least come in. <laughs> I mean, forever, Elizabeth. That what, has to, yeah. Whether I want it or not, that's just fact, so. It's true. Sorry, you're wearing it now. Do you like your name? I do like my name. Me too. I'm not a nice feeling. It is. Like, it's really, like, my name, I've told you, like, my favorite color is green, right? Mm-hmm. And so the fact that it is an Irish name, like, my name makes <gasps> yes. me think of green. And so it just makes me happy. It connects all the Shannon dots. It does. I, I like it. it. That's good. <sighs> I think I think Stephanie's really going to call me Liz, Lizzie all the time. She actually did tell me that. I'm and really I was like, excited about it. Oh, my it. goodness. <laughs> I can give it my best shot. I've just known you so long as Liz. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no one was allowed to call me Lizzie. My mom forbade it. That's so rude. So um, now I should call you Lizzie. Now, like... <laughs> Damn it, you're Lizzie. <laughs> it's adorable. It's so cute. I like it a lot. Um, that's I can't. That's really sweet. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, in the picture on Google, it's got a red box. So I'm glad they switched it to pink. I am too. Into that. It was as soon as I saw it get delivered because it did look red online. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it got delivered. It got delivered the day we were editing our last podcast. Did it? So I told Brian, I'm like, you can't leave that box in here. We're not allowed to open it up yet. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) I'm stoked about his Lego set. Mm, It's so cool. Holy moly. I can't wait for it to be finished. Brian's putting together a gigantic Lego motorcycle. The wheels maybe Shannon like, could ride on. I might be able to. Like, it's probably big enough that at least Winry, our cat, could. Oh, it is kitty-sized. I, I think. think it's kitty-sized for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. He's about 
I don't even know how far he is into it right now. And it's just, it's already cool. That's way fun. Yeah. I'd love to do a Lego episode. <gasps> we should do a Lego episode. When I put together the typewriter, it came with a piece of paper and it came with a whole notebook. So it was in whatever language you spoke. I love that. That tells a little bit of the Lego story. Yeah. Um, but I always want to know more about it. So <laughs> that'd be a fun <laughs> that one to do. That would be really fun. Think our favorite toys or something. Yes. That'd be neat. I think that'd be really neat. Um, I saw a TikTok about people who collect all of the holiday Barbies. Yeah. That's so many Barbies. There's so many. I So my friend growing up, her mom had just shelves of Barbies. Oh, I always wow. remember thinking it was weird as a kid because I'm like, why the hell aren't you playing with those? But looking back on it now, those are probably worth so much. Or nothing. Or nothing. Maybe. That's, that's I don't the know. the trick about it. Like, How is do it you like know? Beanie Babies? Yeah, or baseball cards. Mm, mm-hmm. I don't know. What thing that people collect is actually worth money anymore? I feel like some... I had a comic book in a set that I collected. I collected all these Batgirls that are nice. so cute. And the alternate art is by a really cool artist. Oh, now I have to write down. That's my homework. I <laughs> <laughs> don't remember anyone's names. It's a tough one. Batgirl. I'll remember what that means, but I won't remember their names. Um, one of them, I missed out on getting the alternate art for it. Oh, no. And when Seth found it for me, it was like $100. Oh, my God. Um, but Seth is a set collector. Yes. He, he's a completionist for mm-hmm. sure. So he did get it for me. <laughs> he's like, look what I found. That's really nice. It was way nice. Oh. <laughs> he's a really good gift giver. Yes. Yes. It's good stuff. It really is. Yeah, but I don't think collecting other kinds of comic books is always super valuable because I think they make so many of everything now. I think that's true. Nothing's very rare. Yeah. That's all the homework? I think that was all my homework. I I just was listening to Taylor Swift at work and came across the song, and then I was like, oh my God, I missed an opportunity. (laughs) Taylor Swift at work. Yes. Ooh, uh, a Spotify playlist recommendation Mm -hmm. is... um, Jack Antonoff's Cinematic Universe. Okay. He uh, is that really cool producer who, he's one of the th- the guys who worked with her on Folklore and Evermore. Okay. But if you look through the list, he produced like a lot of your favorite Taylor Swift songs. <gasps> nice. And it also has um, a bunch of Lord. Did you, did oh, you like that I, album yes. melodrama? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I love it. So the Jack Antonoff Cinematic Universe is a really good playlist. Okay. I'm going to add that. Mm-hmm. That's a fun one. I like it. Okay. Homework is over, I guess. Homework is over. That was it for the week. We still need to come up with a good title for that section. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what to call it. Something fun. Something fun. We'll figure it out. Yes. Okay. Well, um, first, we're going to talk about flight attendants. Okay. I got this idea from my coworker. She's in a class right now um, in college about unions okay and because her degree is in like aviation mechanics sorry erica it's in something about airplanes um she learned some stuff about the flight attendants union and how it was established okay sent me this really cool video and that got me really interested in all of the crazy rules that they had for them and just how this profession developed yeah um and also reminded me of catch me if you can 
that yes, movie. Yes, <laughs> so much. As soon as you brought up this topic, that's the movie my brain went to. So, um, so I, that's what I researched, and I'm excited to tell you about it. Ah. It's pretty fun. So, passenger air travel starts in um, the beginning of the 1920s. Okay. It's when people, other than just, like, the pilot, start going in planes. The planes carry them places instead of just cargo. Yes. Um, and the first flight attendants were called couriers, and they were men. They were typically the sons, in America anyways, they were typically the sons of the businessmen who financed the airlines. Okay. Um, and they worked doing that, um, young men doing it up until the stock market crash in 1929. Okay. And then uh, not a lot of people were flying. That, I mean, that a lot of things makes changed. Makes sense, right? Um, people had to get different kinds of jobs. So that profession, uh, it, it, it opens up a, a transition for okay. everybody. So without these couriers tending to passengers, um, the co-pilot had to do it. And in addition to assisting the pilot. That's a lot of responsibility. and doesn't sound safe. No, that sounds awful. Um, so when that, gets, when that gets old, they start to hire stewards. So they're still dudes. Um, and around the beginning of the 1930s, they have stewards, so these guys take care of the passengers' needs. They also help them on getting on and off the plane, um, assist them with their luggage, bring them drinks, and um, make sure they all put out their cigarettes and cigars. Because up until, I wrote down the date, I think it's 1988. Oh, yes. Up until 1988, you could smoke on an airplane. That's fucking wild. <laughs> that sucks so badly terrible to be stuck on a plane. <laughs> you know, um non-smoking sections and stuff like that stopped being a thing when we were kids i was i feel like before i was 10 i I remember going to a few places and my parents had to request non-smoking rooms in hotels yeah yeah i do remember that um Um, but i don't feel like it's super common now no i was asking seth if they have smoking rooms in his hotel and he said no but people do it anyway it's a huge pain they have to like oh that's awful sometimes they have to have professional like things how do you get that out i'm trying to remember what he said because i asked him this when we were like years ago in a different hotel but i feel like somebody comes in to like aerate the whole room but the fabrics like the drapes sometimes there's a fabric headboard all that stuff absorbs the smoke and if you can't deal with it then everybody stays in the room afterwards gives you really bad reviews Mm -hmm. and there's there's not a ton that can be done right so i bet you it's more of a problem in extended stay hotels that makes sense smoking in there for a long time yeah Uh, two cigarettes in a room you can get through that. Right. But I think you have to do some serious airing out of everything. For sure. Because even that, there's a, it's pretty powerful. Right. I and mean, if you can't open windows, because in most hotels you can. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit of an issue. I don't, a lot of smokers don't even smoke in their own spaces. So right. It's, it's not great. No. It's hard on paint. It's hard on furniture. It's, it's difficult to deal with. Yes. Um. Anyways, they, so if you didn't put out your cigarette, big bad things can happen. This is before jets, so they're flying in these unpressurized cabins. Oh, my God. So people would get airsick a lot, Mm -hmm. so they were dealing with that, which is why um, the first flight attendant called a stewardess at the time Mm. um, was a registered nurse. That makes sense. That actually makes a ton of sense. I was wondering why, because I kind of read that, that that was a requirement, and Mm -hmm. it didn't click in my brain. You saying that makes perfect sense yeah. now. Her name, um, the first stewardess um, flight attendant was Ellen Church in 1930. She was hired by um, Boeing, which was, became 
United Airlines. And she wanted to be a pilot, but they wouldn't let her do it because she was a girl. So um, she became a stewardess and she was a registered nurse. And for some airlines, they had the women... Um, on board wear like a nurse's uniform or something that looked nurse uniform adjacent. Okay. Um, or um, some of the original uniforms looked very like military-esque to kind of instill comfort in people. Like Give them confidence I'm, in you. Yeah, I know plain things. Yeah. You'll be safe here. Because flying, even now, I know how it works. It's not real. No. Nope. So. I think that every single time the plane starts <laughs> lifting off the ground, I'm like, this should not be happening with this no. many people on this Air gigantic thing. Things. No. That makes no sense. Um, but they do, it does. And I so it's not hard for me to understand why some people are very afraid of flying. Yes. And um, even now, the cabin crew is responsible for managing everybody's emotions and on the plane. So helping people feel calm and safe and just looking capable and prepared mm-hmm. so that people don't freak out. Right. Is a big part of the job. Um, so here's some requirements. After Ellen, we start to hire more stewardesses, um, and they have really dumb job requirements. <laughs> um, I feel like these are job requirements for a lot of women in, in professional women for a long time, and now they're not requirements, but they're still standards that we are judged by a lot oh, for of the sure. time. <laughs> <laughs> so you had to be a registered nurse. 25 years or younger. Of course. Um, five foot, four inches or shorter. The one thing that plays into my favor. Yeah. We're both the right height for flying. Mm-hmm. Uh, 115 pounds or less. So you're still in the running. Still ridiculous, though. <laughs> that's so. That's, that's a small person. That's a really tiny person. I feel like there are there are a handful of people who are 5'4 and 150 pounds or less. 15 pounds or left. 115. 115. That's a little person. Yeah. Some fourth graders, I think. Right. (laughs) Yeah. That's not, it's not large, but I guess I'm, I'm, I'm going to give them the, uh, what do you call that? The benefit of the doubt in that people were a little bit smaller then. I guess But not that much. It's not like, it's not like 200 years ago. Right. It's just, that's a little person. Um, so they've got $125 a month for a hundred hours of flying. So it sounds like decent money. Yeah. Not great. Not horrible. Which is sort of similar to what they get paid now. Not right. great. Could be worse. Could be worse. But also, they feel like they're dealing with a ton more lately. People just are so angry like, on planes anymore. It's wild. It's, I, the videos that you see online are just... It's nuts. I don't know how they're getting through their days. Mm-hmm. In fact, they're probably not. <laughs> they probably aren't. No. They, they have a shortage of... I mean, that's why tons of flights are getting canceled. Nobody's coming into work because either they can't handle it anymore or they have COVID. Yep. So it's it's a complicated job. It sure is. Um, oh, and at some point, all of the pilots' wives were getting a little upset about how pretty these young ladies were. <laughs> so they made a rule that they stewardesses could only speak to the pilots about work-related things oh geez um which is just it's very interesting why can't they just tell the pilots to stop being assholes maybe that (laughs) (laughs) oh wow 
Um, then World War II happens, and all the registered nurses are needed in the war effort. Mm-hmm. And that's where the kind of that requirement goes out of fashion, because they still needed um, flight attendants. So they right. started hiring other women. At first, they still had to have a college degree. Um, now, I think that you're only required to have a high school diploma and then make it through their training, which is fairly rigorous. I was about to say, it's. I remember looking into it because I wanted to be... A flight attendant yeah, for a yeah. while. And it is. It's pretty intense. Anywhere from four weeks to six months. Mm-hmm. And you can see YouTube videos of it. There are part, they have to, I saw one where they are buckled into a seat that's in like a little apparatus in a swimming pool mm-hmm. and it flips them upside down under the water. Oh, geez. And then they time them on getting out of their seatbelt and coming back up. That's a lot. Like that's, that's intense. That's right? more than I had to do. You, so, um, We'll talk about this a ton more later, but uh, that just illustrates a tiny piece of how a, a flight attendant is so much more than a waitress. Way, way more. Like they, the knowledge that they have to keep you safe is a pretty big deal. Yes. So stop when they tell so you to, to do them. something, yes, yeah, don't be mean. <laughs> We're in a metal tube in the sky. It's we have to manage this situation. Yes. <laughs> it's a little alarming when you think about it. It is. Hmm. All right. So Oh, but the first ever flight attendant, I thought this was really interesting. I found this on on Wikipedia. And as usual, I'll cite my sources in the show notes. But I watched them. I read a thing on AAPAviation.com. Now and then, a brief history of flight attendants. Um, Wikipedia. And then I watched... a documentary that I found on YouTube called Come Fly With Me, the story of Pan Am. Nice. I have a lot of Pan Am things I want to talk about. Okay. (laughs) So interesting. Um, So the very first flight attendant was a man named Heinrich Kubis. He was German. And he was actually on the Hindenburg, the... um, the blimp. The blimp, yeah. That, like, burst into flames. Yeah. He was on it when it oh burst into God. flames. And he survived by jumping out a window when it got close to the ground. So that flight attendants are pretty badass. Seriously. <laughs> oh, my God. I just, wow. Hindenburg thing always makes me think of um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Because mm-hmm. they're on a, a, a hydro, hydrogen, hydrogen blimp. Yeah. 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 It's very cool. Um, it, so there are the, in the New York Times in 1936, they wrote an article about flight attendants and in it listed some things about their requirements. So it says the girls who qualify for hostesses, they called them stewardesses or air hostesses. OK, um, must be petite, weigh 100 to 118 pounds, have a height between five feet and five feet, four inches. Oh, see, now they've got me cut out. Like <laughs> Now you're too short. Age 20 to 26 years old. Um, add to that the rigid physical examination each must undergo four times every year. And you are assured of the bloom that goes with perfect health. Uh, so he's basically talking about these young ladies like they're dolls. That's exactly what that sounds like. <laughs> and you can purchase one now for nineteen ninety five. Yep. It just doesn't sound good. No. Ada Brown eventually starts the first union for flight attendants, and then the um, which becomes the Airline Stewardess Association, which then in 1949 becomes part of the Pilots Union. That feels problematic. Yeah, it takes them a minute to get. To be important. Yeah. Um, 
So their physical appearance is a huge consideration when they're hiring these flight attendants. They also want you to be pretty. You have to wear makeup and do your hair a certain way. Um, at some points, you had to wear mascara, but you couldn't have eyeshadow. Oh, um, in Pan Am specifically, they had these girdles underneath their skirts, which is kind of like, imagine shapewear that has clips all the way up like a bra. Mm-hmm. Um it's really tight and it's not cute alone, but it goes underneath. And to this makes me mad. <laughs> the um, the men who worked with them or supervised them had the authority to check to make sure they were wearing their girdle. Excuse me. The thing about a girdle or any shapewear that doesn't that's not like legs like pants. Yeah, is that you can um, you can't feel like between your legs, right? On right. your bum. So yeah. they would like flick their bum or pinch their bum in the back to know that their girdle was there because if not, they'd be able to feel like their body underneath rather what than the, the girl. Yeah, it's gross. <laughs> and this lady who's being interviewed, she was one of the flight attendants. Um, she was like, I don't understand why they did it. I don't understand why they tested it, but we looked very good in them. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like, it's just, uh, the. you know what we should do? Hmm. Check and make sure they're wearing girdles. Mm-hmm. What a bunch of gross people. How, like, misogyny will never fail to just keep like throwing things that surprise me a little bit like really that that was okay it's a little shocking yeah were they allowed to like look down your pants and see what kind of underwear you had on right because it's very similar to me that's exactly what that is really they're one step from reaching up her skirt to feel it you know Mm -hmm. like it's just it was alarming (laughs) i didn't love that news Mm -mm. um but uh watching that documentary about pan am made me want to watch that do you remember pan am the tv show yes it was on abc i looked up it's imdb margot robbie and christina ricci are in it why did i never watch that why show? did i not watch that that doesn't make any sense i love margot them both. robbie is like a dreamboat yep so i'm gonna have to watch that i'll watch it with you 100 <laughs> percent. Um, and i saw a clip of her going to like one of those physical evaluations where they're telling her i don't remember what they're telling her so she weighed too much or whatever oh jeez. and having to change her physical appearance so that she could keep her job also uh when he got married he got fired and when you got pregnant, you got fired. Jeez. So I watched one video talking a lot about how you either had to um, quit your job or get an abortion, which is a horrible decision what? to have to make. Right. And then there were a lot of women who would get married and keep it a secret Not as long tell as they anybody. could. Yeah. So that they could keep getting paid because it was their profession. Because how dare she not be at home taking care of her husband instead of right. on planes doing a doing her job having a career and part of her job according to them was to be pretty and available because more men are going to want to fly on our airline if they know that these single attractive women are going to be walking by every 30 Mm -hmm. minutes and give them opportunities yep so um i mean they really limited options they made themselves less of a commodity if they were no longer available how dare a woman be more than an object? <laughs> the nerve, Christ. honestly. <laughs> um, these women, though, are incredibly capable. And when it gets into like the 60s and 70s, you hear the interviews of these women talking about like this really embracing a sexual revolution. Mm-hmm. And this lady, I loved her interview. She sounded like such, I just wish she had raised me. <laughs> she was like, I could be different everywhere I went. 
Mm. So every time I went to a new place, I could have new experiences and new men would take me to dinner and they knew that we were pretty and well-mannered and had been traveling and and had sexual experience, they yeah, assumed. And right. so she was able to be wined and dined by these fancy men all over the world. And she's she was just like, it was kind of awesome. <laughs> like I she, mean, at least own it. Yeah. yeah. There were there was a positive side. She had freedom that a lot of women did not, did not have. get to have. So right. So it's kind of amazing. And when it's when it's your job and you're not doing it where you live. Mm-hmm. You don't have to deal with anybody else's judgment. Right. You can walk into a restaurant in Italy and be whoever you want to be and then and know that like your mom's best friend isn't going to gossip about it later because yep. she won't know. Mm-hmm. So it just it gave them a really cool opportunity to be free. Plus, they saw the world, which is all I ever want. Yeah, really. That's mm-hmm. it. Yep. I don't want anyone to yell at me, so I don't know if flight attending is in my future, but I would love to go everywhere. Same. So they got to do some pretty neat things. I don't think you should have to um, trade sexual favors for travel opportunities no. or fair employment. I just want to state that real quick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so for a long time... I told you at the beginning, their uniforms were kind of military looking. Yeah. And we start to go away with that when we start to use flight attendants in advertisements for airlines. Of course. Um, So they wear pretty form-fitting outfits, still pretty long skirts for a while, Mm -hmm. Uh, white gloves, sometimes heels, which sounds not very practical at all. Yeah. I have seen flight attendants in heels. They must just have really good balance. They have to. They're just really good at what Mm -hmm. they do. (laughs) Um. Eventually, their shirts, their skirts will get shorter and mm-hmm. they'll get to be more fashionable. Um, Ruth Carol Taylor was the very first um, black flight attendant in December of 1957. She became a flight attendant, but she was let go within six months because she got married. Jeez. Um, but still, Ruth, good job. Absolutely. Cool move. Cool move. Oh, OK. So catch me if you can. Mm-hmm. Frank Abagnale. Okay. He's a real person. Yeah. So um, the, the Pan Am and their flights were fancier than all the other airlines. They had prettier girls. Mm-hmm. They had fancy, fancy meals. The Beatles and Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. Everybody fancy is flying Pan Am. Okay. So um, he sees a pilot and a bunch of flight attendants coming out of a hotel one time. And he was like, you know... If I had one of those uniforms, I could do. I could be that. Mm-hmm. And if you remember from the movie, I forget his age, but he's young. He's like a teenager. Yeah. When he gets involved in this, so he somehow steals a uniform, and that is why people were cashing his fake checks because he would go to the bank in his Pan Am pilot's uniform. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, my checks weren't very good. They looked like pretend checks, uh-huh. but because I could sell it with the uniform, it worked out. You had that air of authority. Yeah. Like, no one's going to question that. So he started wearing the uniform and hanging out with the flight attendants and um, deadheading. So he never actually had to learn to fly anything. Oh, my God. But he would get on free flights as a crew member who was not on that crew. Mm-hmm. He could deadhead and um, just fly all over the world. Yeah. So he saw all kinds of places and oh my God. cashed a lot of checks, having no piloting experience and no actual money. As basically a child. That's wild. (laughs) But Pan Am was such a dream Mm -hmm. that 
it was just they just commanded a lot of respect and why would you question the pilot in that uniform yeah so it had a lot to do with the persona that that airline could give you mm-hmm. and maybe it wouldn't have worked if it were another just a generic pilot's uniform i could see that yeah it was pretty interesting and they did sell a lot of pan am merchandise Okay. So um, in the movie, when he like soaks the airplanes in the bathtub to get the Pan Am stickers off, mm-hmm. like that was, you could really that buy a bunch a of Pan Am thing. stuff, like their bags and luggage and things. Okay. So it was, it was not just an airline. It was a brand that meant something. Yes. It was a whole deal. They actually go bankrupt in the early to mid nineties. I believe Um, there are a couple of incidents on Pan Am planes that just make people feel like they're not safe Mm -hmm. and um, they end up going bankrupt. But um, in in a famous movie. Well, now I have some homework. (laughs) More homework. (laughs) I can't remember the names of things. Um, They uh, show a Pan Am plane going to space. Oh, because they're just like if class if this classy airline will go forever and eventually they'll go to space and they have like flight attendants in the future in in this movie. And some people said in interviews, like if it hadn't been for that bankruptcy that they couldn't avoid, um, Pan Am would for sure have ended up in space. I guarantee you Jeff Bezos would have been riding up to space in a Pan Am for sure. Why the hell mm-hmm. not? Yeah, I, mean, I can think of a lot of reasons, but um, Jeff Bezos can't. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's just that's how I imagined his his penis rocket would have been Pan Am. Oh my gosh, flying into space and then digging balls. Oh my god, can you, are you kidding me? Right, grow up. Seriously, that is a child playing cowboy, <sighs> playing space cowboy, playing space cowboy. <laughs> oh my god. Even Tommy Lee Jones was just pretending. Right. He didn't actually go to he space. He knew the difference. Give me a break. Oh, you know how we talked about um, movies are made before they come out. Uh-huh. Maybe we should also mention they're not real. No, those are fake. Just so everybody Mostly. knows. Yeah. <laughs> the things that are real, people usually get hurt. True. So yeah, don't try this at home, I guess. Yeah. In general. Um, the first complaints to the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission came from female flight attendants. Okay. Um, they complained about age discrimination, weight requirements, and um, being fired because you're married. Uh, they could only work until they were 32 or 35, depending on the airline you worked for. It's a really young time to be retired. It's a very young time to be retired, but you should be someone's mother by then, so get on with it. Right? I guess that's true. <laughs> In 1968, the EEOC, that's the Equal Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, um, said that age discrimination was against um, the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And in that same year, they said sex was not a bona fide occupational requirement to be a flight attendant. So airlines were required to... um, accept applications for men so we started okay. getting some male flight attendants not a ton i think there are a lot more now I oh see for a ton sure of men on yeah. flights now yeah um and being able to keep their jobs after they <laughs> turn 32 which is great that is because later i saw an interview of a lady who had been a flight attendant for like 62 years Oh, wow. So she was there from the girdles uh, all the way till she reads, like, the in-flight instructions from a tablet now. Yeah. And she must feel like she is in the future. She has to. It always blows my mind to think about those people who were born 
before cars. Yeah. And lived into iPhones. Yeah. Like, how do you... I guess you just process it one thing at a time. I guess so. But if you had to take it all in at once, like time travelers would not be as chill as they look in movies. No. It would be crazy. Right? And you wouldn't understand a lot of stuff people say. No, it would be really confusing the whole time. But to just live through such a window of just explosion wild like rapid change too like it's crazy even to think about how much have changed even from like 2010 to now right they must think women just walk around fully nude Mm -hmm. because they see us wearing completely different clothes oh yeah oh very very just a great deal of change Mm -hmm. great deal of change um but she i mean she rocked her way through it flying all over the world she's a cool person she's really neat so the pilots and engineers on a plane are the flight crew. They're okay. the people in the cockpit. And then the flight attendants are the cabin crew. Okay. So that's all the people that we see on the plane after everybody else goes into the cockpit. That makes sense. Um, I was just wondering about that. I was just reading. Are they all the flight crew? No, they're not all the flight crew. They're the cabin crew. Um, let me tell you a couple other things that changed. In 1971, there was a court case called Diaz versus Pan Am. And that's what lifted the female restrictions for all airlines. Okay. So it starts out, no, you can't do that. But nobody actually listens. Yeah. And then somebody has to sue over it. And right. litigation causes people to make actual changes. Right. So it wasn't until uh, 1971 that it really started happening. In 1978, um, airline the Airline Deregulation Act passed, and that eliminates the marriage rule. Oh, good. So they can be married. <laughs> finally. Um, weight restrictions are finally relaxed slash eliminated in the 1990s um, through litigation and negotiation. Okay. They have all, when you're part of a union, you have a lot more negotiating power. Yeah. And that gave them the opportunity to ask for things that they should have had all along. <laughs> That's yes. kind of what unions do. Um, it still is, it still partially exists because there are professions where people can get away with saying, if you weigh this much, you can't do the job, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. It is. But still a thing. And um, they still have, so there was, for a while you couldn't wear glasses. What? <laughs> um, oh there's still, um, there's still vision and height requirements. Because if you can't see without glasses, um, may, there could be a situation where you can't see to do your job. That makes sense. Like in an emergency situation, that could right. become problematic. You can't get a new pair of contacts in the air usually. Right. And um, they some places can they can still require like a medical evaluation, which doesn't surprise me. Um, where I work, we require medical evaluation because if you can't lift a certain amount of weight, you really can't do the job. Right. So you you have to be physically capable of the work, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to opening those big doors. Yeah. I was watching a video of a flight attendant like it's got. Yeah, like a big lever, you fold down, and then you have to pull the door really hard. Yeah, and it lo- it's so big, it looks difficult. <laughs> oh my god! So it's probably like a, a thing you have to practice a couple times to know how to pump it right, right to get it open. So let's talk a little bit about flight attendants now. Okay. Uh, they still have a lot of requirements. Like I was telling you before, they train usually for four to six weeks, four weeks to six months, anywhere in between there. Um, they're trained in the specific aircraft that they travel on. So if they travel on multiple kinds of planes, they need to know about all of them. That makes sense. Um, 
They are trained in passenger evacuation, use of evacuation slides and life rafts, in-flight firefighting. Oh, geez, that's terrifying. Right? First aid, CPR, defibrillation, um, ditching or emergency landing procedures, mm-hmm. decompression of um, decompression emergencies, and crew resource management and security. Okay. The security part is the one uh, I wish they didn't have to do. They're busy yeah, enough. They really are. Um, and it's such it's such a huge problem right now. Yeah. Um, they're they're being really. It's just it's another example of uh, do more, but I'll pay you the same crappy money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another interesting thing. So if you're multilingual, uh, there you're in demand as a flight attendant because of international. Um, passengers yeah it makes a lot more sense to be able to speak in multiple languages so you can communicate with everybody absolutely other than english here are some really desirable languages for flight attendants to know french russian hindi spanish mandarin cantonese bengali japanese arabic german portuguese italian turkish and greek okay and if you speak um multiple languages um, you get paid an additional stipend on international flights. Oh, nice. For that ability. So if you were thinking about it and you're multilingual, maybe think about it a little harder. Could be real good for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, um, how great would it be if you spoke Italian and they were like, now you're on all our Italian flights and you're just in Italy a lot. Sounds so perfect. That's great, right? Um, another thing that's important to know about what flight attendants do is their emotional labor. Mm-hmm. It's a thing that we're talking a lot more about, um, and it's a big deal. They're responsible for managing the behavior and the emotions of a whole plane full of people, because if things get out of hand, it's very dangerous. Oh, yeah. Well, it's easy. You're like you said, we're all flying in this like tin can. Mm-hmm. It could be a really long time. And, and one person air. can escalate something to where the entire plane is panicked and freaking out yeah. and or and, in a rage or it yeah. could just go crazy so fast. And there's uh, drunk people, angry people, yeah. little kids, old people, pregnant ladies, mm-hmm. um, people with special or different needs. There's just a lot to account for. Right. And then, you know, something scary happens like turbulence that someone else can't handle and then there's a whole situation that needs to be de-escalated. Yeah. So um, that's pretty important. They're they're using a ton of energy. And here are some of the risks that they take, other than the fact that they're just in the air. It's <laughs> <laughs> a whole that, thing in it itself. Doesn't make sense. Right? So in a 2018 study, several they found that several cancers are more common for flight attendants, oh. and um, the occurrences increases with um, every five years that they spend in that profession. So they think it's from increased exposure to cosmic ionizing radiation from being in the upper atmosphere. Okay. Where it's thinner. Um, Also just regular things that um, shift workers experience when you're disrupted sleep and meal schedules. Yeah. It's you know how they say people who work um, graveyards live, live, uh, don't live as long as other people. Yeah. Because they're, working on an opposite schedule from what they're supposed to. Um, so that, that gets a little mixed up because flights are happening at all kinds of weird times. Oh, of course. They're supposed to have a certain amount of time between flights to rest. Like, I think it's nine hours between flights. That's still not a ton. The time stops for the last flight 15 minutes after the doors open. 
and they're not done with their job 15 minutes no, after the doors not. are open. It what? takes a while to deboard a plane. It does. And it doesn't start again until they close the doors on the plane, I believe. So the whole time they're there getting people on the plane, it's cutting into their time. So really, they're only resting like maybe five hours. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's a little complicated. So I'm assuming that they try to be careful about the way they schedule. Yeah. But I imagine right now with a huge shortage of oh, people working for the airlines. they're probably being worked like crazy. Yes. And then they just get psychos on the plane with them. Oh, yeah. So it doesn't surprise me that that one guy got taped to his chair. No. That, <laughs> like, that already made perfect sense to me. But now I'm even more convinced. Yeah. We've gone too far. We have. <laughs> they're just people. They are. <laughs> Um, the oh, and secondhand cigarette smoke mm, is another yep. problem. So yep. we have trouble breathing because um, uh, there's there are actually several studies going on right now about poor cabin air in airplanes, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what that can do to you that's bad and how we can make it better. Um, it's kind of it's a bit of a problem, not necessarily for passengers, but for a crew who are on the plane all the time, mm-hmm. flying like sometimes 30 hours in a week. They'll be in the air. Yeah. And that's that's a lot of exposure. It is. Um, luckily, there's not secondhand smoke anymore. <laughs> Thank goodness. OK, first thing I'm going to tell you is a very important fact. Joining the Mile High Club is a federal offense. Oh, my God. (laughs) I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. I hadn't tried. Um, Those Mm -hmm. bathrooms are pretty small, but it is against the law. You'll be arrested, fined, and probably banned from that airline. Makes sense. So no hanky-panky in the bathroom. It's just they're always sitting right there. Why? Right. Why? The flight attendants are right there. There's... Not a ton of room to maneuver. Even if you can keep your mouth closed. Yeah, like... The space is so small. You're going to bang around. Well, I'm like... There's, there's just noises there's noise that happen. <laughs> so, whether, whether you're saying anything or not, like... No, for sure. 100%. Especially with there's two people in there. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's hard to miss. Right? <laughs> so, um, don't do that. And um, the dirtiest place on any airplane is the floor. Okay. So, don't walk around barefoot on an airplane. It's never been something I've wanted to do anyways. Don't be one of those crazy people mm-hmm. who lays on the floor yeah that's gross as hell i hate that and please i can't believe people are doing this but flight attendants say they see it all the time stop walking into the bathroom with no shoes on it happens all the time stop it right right the one of the flight attendants is like you're for sure gonna get some kind of weird fungus oh guaranteed because they vacuum the floor but that's they're not gonna mop in between one flight attendant told a story about um they have to go get all the trash out of the pouches in front of your seat Mm -hmm. the little pocket he found a bunch of somebody's bitten off fingernails Fucking disgusting. How what? do you move on from that? <laughs> I just, I would not be able to. You're, it's kind of like when you find somebody else's hair. Mm-hmm. My own hair in the shower, that happens. That happens. Someone okay. else's hair in the shower, disgusting. That's a real gross not scenario. Not super sure why, but it's true. It so, is. coming across someone else's fingernails, so gross. That's uh, I don't want to be a part I of I don't want to be the person who had to sit next to you. Oh, gross. Gross, gross, I gross, just, gross, gross. One flight attendant mm-mm. said that she saw two passengers give each other hand jobs right in front of her. What? Like under things. 
so they weren't they weren't like visible parts. But still, but God, be respectful. Can you not just like keep it in your pants? This is her for, job, right? She can't leave. She's stuck here. That's so weird and That's rude. So rude, really. That's a thing you could probably get away with in the bathroom alone. Yeah. You know? You probably could. You could hurry. Just make it fast. <laughs> Hopefully there's not a line behind you right? afterwards. It's, it's, a, it's a private thing. It is. Please, please don't do that. Please don't do that on planes. Everyone if... who is involved needs to enthusiastically consent. And you've got... And when you're in a public place, no one has the opportunity to give you consent. So mm-hmm. you are being gross. Please stop it now. Yes. <laughs> It's not fine. Plus, you haven't washed your hands in a while. No. I'm really worried about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so oh, my God. I don't love to fly. It's, um, you can't leave. Right? And You're stuck in the same I place. I find it upsetting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, as soon as I get off an airplane, the first thing I want to do is wash my whole body. Because yep. I feel like I'm just saturated in other people's breath. Uh-huh. Um, so, I'm, I'm not going to be touching I mean, touch as little of me as possible until I can get off and get clean. Do you want to know what my favorite way to travel is? Like, (laughs) if it's not by car, get off and get clean. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) We can cut that. No, we can't. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, what's your favorite way to travel? (laughs) Getting Mm. off and getting clean. (laughs) 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 Okay, we'll breathe. <laughs> so my favorite way to travel is by train. Like if I can't go I by car, trains. I love traveling by train. It is like going to Europe the first time that I went and we would go between countries by train. Mm-hmm. I loved it. 100%. I, I preferred the ones where we could have our own little like cabin space. Like but, on uh, White Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like I know we don't get the bed. Well, I mean, it kind of worked, but like we don't we didn't get the beds, but like you had your own like. We were the only ones sitting in this room. Like, mm-hmm. it would have, like, four seats, and that's it. And so, of course, when they yeah. see, like, two of us in there, they're going to be like, well, I'll try and find something else. Mm-hmm. You can get up and walk more freely. Yeah. I hate standing up on an airplane. And there's more, like, distance you can cover by walking. Like, mm-hmm. in a plane, you can go, you, some, some of them, you can go get a sandwich. Yeah. Um, like, you can walk to a meal. Yep. It's just, I don't know, it just feels... It feels safer to me. It's on mm-hmm. the ground. I would really love a light rail system in the United States. We need a better rail system. It takes um, like five hours to fly from Salt Lake to New York. Mm-hmm. I would give it another at least three to be in a train. 100%. Uh, yeah, it'd be easy peasy for me. Oh, yeah. Plus, it would be much better for the environment. Exactly. Especially if we had electric trains. Yep. Um, that would be really, really wonderful. So mm-hmm. we need a light rail system east to west. And then maybe two or three north to south. Yeah. Yep. And just really, I mean, I don't have to be on a plane for a long time. And if somebody could work on a light rail system across the oceans, I would also get on board like a channel. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But longer. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, it kind of freaks me out. <laughs> but I would do it. If I could close the blinds and not have to think about it. Perfect. Have you been on the channel? Uh-uh. That it goes from uh, across the English Channel from England to France? No. Me either. But you can drive your car onto it, like, almost like a ferry. Oh. Um, I'm very interested in giving it a shot. But that might have to be our trip in the future. Yeah. That would be really great. Mm-hmm. Um, but being 
in a train under the water also scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I work in a mining industry and some of the sites that my company owns are underground mines. And I just, I can't, <laughs> I don't want to work underneath the ground. No. It really scares me. I have claustrophobia so badly. Right. If mm-hmm. I had to go down and do a thing and come back up, I think I could handle it. But do they have offices down there? Are they just stuck down there? I would like- hate it. No. Mm-mm. And all the, Mm-mm. like, the scary videos of them going down the rickety-ass elevator. Yep. <laughs> no, thank you. I would not be okay. That is a hard pass from me. Right. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Solar evaporation mining is so great. It takes place on the land under the sunshine. Perfect. I'm a huge fan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the last thing I'm going to share about flight attendants, it might be the most important We talked about all the skills that they're trained in and the emotional labor that that they perform. Mm -hmm. Um, But as you'll recall, on September 11th, there were quite a few flight attendants and flight crews that really had to rise to the occasion. Yes. Specifically, um, Sandra W. Bradshaw and C.C. Lyles of United Flight 93, Robert Fagman of United Flight 175, Renee May of American Airlines Flight 77, Betty Ong and Madeline Amy Sweeney of American Airlines Flight 11. Um, They actively attempted to protect the passengers from uh, assault and provided vital information to air traffic controllers about the hijackings, along with many passengers. Yeah. So um, those specific flight attendants and flight attendants every day probably um, that goes without being noticed. Yeah. Honestly risk a lot of their personal safety to keep us safe in the air um, and it's their job and that's a big deal so instead of complaining when they run out of diet coke maybe consider that this person has the knowledge to save your life yes uh, i read another short story about a flight attendant who was the only uh, member of the flight or cabin crew to survive a crash oh, man. and gave the only life jacket she could find to a passenger and was later given an award for her selfless service. But that's what they do, and that's what they sign up for. Yeah. They did not sign up for cleaning your shit off the toilet seat. No. So maybe just remember that and honor what they're doing for you and um, take a minute to honor the sacrifices of, of some of the people who have lost their lives to protect us on the flight. <laughs> I, uh, I personally feel bad. I was on a flight with... Um, I won't even say. No, it was united. <laughs> and um, one of the flight attendants was very busy and um, very unhappy and almost hit me in the head with a coffee pot a, coffee pot a couple of times. <gasps> By the time we got off the plane, between her and the asshole who sat behind me and complained because he didn't have a charger for his phone. Oh, Jesus. Like, I was just, I'm just like, hey, flying. I'm never flying again. Uh-huh. But I was on the other side of the ocean, so I had to. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but next time I'm going to think a little bit harder because um, she has an important job. Yeah. She still shouldn't fucking hit me in the head, but... No. And she didn't. She just got really close. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I think being a flight attendant has always, to me, seemed like a romantic job. Yes. Probably because they have neck scarves. Yeah. And um, fly all around the world. Mm -hmm. And probably sleep with pilots, which sounds neat. Um, But it's it's that, and it's a lot of other things, just like everyone else's job. Yes. Um, Their history is interesting. And I hope that their future gets brighter. Me too. Like a lot of other professions, they're... 
are worth more than they get. Yep. And I hope that changes. And I hope that as our world hopefully moves to more environmentally friendly ways of travel, we find ways to continue to support our airline companies and um, keep us being able to go all over the world. Yes. Because that's not something I'm ready to give up. No. So that's flight attendants. That was really cool. I think I didn't check into it, but some of a lot of them are still wearing pantyhose. So we should um, be nice to them just for that. Just for that reason alone. Why are they so different from tights? Right. I can wear tights all day long. If I have to wear pantyhose, I hate Mm -hmm. life. That has a like feeling to it. On my mission, I had to wear pantyhose every day. Um, in the wintertime, knee-high pantyhose, which just makes you feel like that old grumpy lady. Yeah. And the, you know, the lady who's always in like a house dress on mm. mugs and stuff who says funny shit. Yeah. That's how I feel when I wear knee-high pantyhose. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what that feels like. <laughs> yeah. So now I just don't want to. Are you ready to hear about some of the coolest just strongest amazing women that I have ever read about. I'm so excited. These women are amazing. They are so cool. They have the best name. They do. So, okay, we're talking right now about the Night Witches. So, just as kind of a background, this is 100% possibly the most badass name given in, like, military history. The fun thing, not fun thing, I don't know what the right word for this, the cool thing about this is it wasn't even given to them, like, by their home country. So these these women are um, with the Soviet Air Force. Mm-hmm. And they were they were serving in World War II. It was the Germans who gave them this name. Yeah. It wasn't even like it wasn't even their own people. It makes me feel people. like the Germans were scared of them. Oh, they were terrified and that makes this name Oof. even cooler. It's pretty um, cool. Um, I mean, not not a fan of war, but if you got to do it, if you got to do it, and well, <laughs> these these women wanted so badly to be able to help and be a part of something, and right, and not be relegated to just waiting at home. Exactly. So here's here's kind of this is I had a few sources, and I'll again they'll go in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, this one was on the History Channel's website, okay. and they did an article. Uh, about about these women. Um, the very first paragraph I absolutely love. Um, so it says, They flew under the cover of darkness in bare-bones plywood biplanes. Oh, no. They braved bullets and frostbite in the air while battling skepticism and sexual harassment on the ground. They were feared and hated so much by the Nazis that any German airman who downed one was automatically awarded the prestigious Iron Cross Medal. How That's fucking how badass. Fucking like powerful and amazing these women were like they were they were feared they were they have like khaleesi vibes they do they do they're amazing that's way cool and like these women were 17 to 25 years old like they're not even that old they're really young um so they're, they're going through all of these struggles and being so incredibly heroic and incredibly badass. Mm-hmm. And they're 17 to 25. Like, I wasn't that put together at that age. No. Not even close. Wow. Crazy to me. Um, so the person who started this whole thing, who started the Night Witches, her name was Colonel Marina Rasko. Let's start that over. Her name was Colonel Marina Raskova. Um, a lot of people refer to her as the Russian Amelia Earhart. Oh, cool. Um, 
she was the first female navigator in the Soviet Air Force. Um, and she'd been able to develop this really good reputation for herself. She, people knew her name. Nice. Stalin knew her name. Stalin. Which is who she goes to because she's got she's got women all over the place reaching out to her, just wanting to be able to help out in the war effort. Mm-hmm. Um, and because she was so good and because her skills were so notable, um, yeah, Stalin reached out to her. Um the Germans were starting, I think they had just attacked them with Operation Barbarossa. Um, so he's like, okay, we're screwed. Let's fucking go. Um, so he tells her, yeah, you're good to go. Put together some units. That's cool. So she was able at first to get three female only units created. Three units? Three. Three, I guess they were called air squads. Which is super groundbreaking because women weren't allowed in combat at this point. They were hardly allowed to have jobs. Right. So the fact that all of a sudden they're getting three. Did they already know how to fly? Some did. Some didn't. Wow. Right? Which is just wild. They learned. And like, this is like a huge thing. Like they're being, they're being told they can do this because the situation's dire. They don't have the time that most of the men had. Mm-hmm. To go through all of the training that they had to do to get prepared. What yeah. took years for most people, they did in months. Wow. It's crazy. Um, so it's eventually two of those air squads became mixed gendered. But the one that stayed all females was the 588th Night Bomber Regiment. And that's who eventually got the name Night Witches. Um, so Colonel Raskova was the one who headed this. Um, female only one throughout its tenure. She's just so cool. Um, so she was a colonel. She was a colonel. Wow. And yes, I'm going to call her Colonel Raskova because she earned her title. Yes, she did. And How a, cool. a lot of like a lot of articles that I read, like a lot of times the men will be given their title regularly. Hers was taken off. She was always called Raskova, and I'm like, no. She is Colonel Raskova. She earned that. I don't know if I'm saying her name right. I'm probably butchering it. But I want her to be able to have the honor of having her title Absolutely. just read. She's amazing. She's so cool. Um, so, a little bit more about the mission of the 588th Night Bomber Regiment. So, they were active from 1942 to 1945. And their main roles in the war efforts were harassment and tactical bombing. <laughs> so they were they really were there to just like make a mess make a huge mess and just keep the nazis from being able to like let their guard down at all on, That's cool. on their fronts like nighttime came you still don't get a break we're fucking coming for you that feels like um the ultimate taking back of like the shrew or nag thing that women get called by men yeah like if you think i'm obnoxious now wait till i do wait it in the plane i do this and it has bombs instead this time so <laughs> i'm gonna play into this <laughs> yes uh, so their first mission happened on the night of june 28 1942 and it was incredibly successful they were able to strike the actual headquarters of the invading nazi forces that were right there nice just killed it um And like I said before, mainly they were tasked with disorienting and sleep-depriving the Nazis. Um, And they did this so, so, so well. (laughs) Um, The Nazis were completely thrown off by these basically nightly attacks. 
And they were particularly pissed off because it was a bunch of women that were doing this. <laughs> you got beat up by you a girl. You got beat up by a girl, <laughs> which is just so great. Oh, wow. Um, so I want to read this because this was really funny to me. So um, the same article that I was talking about before, um, it, there's, a, there's a paragraph in here where it talks about like when they got disbanded um, and how overlooked these women were Mm -hmm. um but this paragraph talks about what the germans actually thought these women were (laughs) so the germans had two theories about why these women were so successful either they were all criminals who were masters at stealing and had been sent to the front line as punishment or they had been given special injections that allowed them to see in the nights (laughs) because <laughs> it had to be, they have to be basically superheroes of to course, be able to bomb us you with vaginas. <laughs> oh my gosh. You can't bomb with a vagina. What are you talking what about? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So, no, we got these special injections that so now can see you can see dark. in the dark and come and get us. That's the only <laughs> way this is possible. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. If it makes you feel better, buddy. Whatever it takes. <laughs> oh my God. Um,. Uh, the last thing is the Nazis began calling the 588 the night witches because the sound of the planes was, it just sounded like broom sweeping. They, so we'll talk about it in a second, what the tactics of these women's flights were. Mm-hmm. But basically what what they did is like they would cut their engines and the sound that the planes would make as make they're coasting overhead. That's what it sounded like. Was oh, these like, like brooms. Okay. Yeah. And so that's when the Nazis were like, fucking witches. And that's what they were. They were night witches coming around at night, making a mess. It was so good. Oh, I love that. So that's that's how they got their name. (laughs) It's a great time. They're so cool. Um, So we talked a little bit about the fact that, you know, they're fighting this Nazis. That's the enemy. That's who they're supposed to be going up against. But here we come, misogyny at its finest. Mm -hmm. That is not the only battles that they have to face. Mm. And this plays into what tactics they actually had to come up with to even be able to do the things that they did. They... (laughs) So, from the very beginning, they were seen as less than or little girls by their counterparts. Mm. Um... And in spite of their, like, success, they really never were taken seriously. It's kind of wild. Like, they come back and, like, I'll talk about this again later, but they are so incredibly overlooked and they had such a huge impact. Oh, my god! And it's because they're a bunch of, quote, little girls. Oh. I hate it. <sighs> I hate it so much. <laughs> um, sexual harassment and ridicule were also daily occurrences throughout their whole tenure. Um, sure. So, I mean, can you imagine how incredibly stressful it is to be like, okay, I just did my job on the battlefield, mm-hmm. and now I'm coming back and having to fight battles here of my own. Yeah. I have to fight these men off of me. I have for to my personal fight safety. for my personal safety and dignity. Oh, geez. And they were probably just really tired. Probably. <laughs> they I mean, at nighttime. We just talked about this before, how, like, how much of a, like physical health toll it has to disrupt your sleep patterns Mm -hmm. and they were already doing this add on like everything else that they have to deal with because they're sleep deprived that's crazy men at war are not that much older no can't you be drafted at 18 17 or 18 well and i'm sure so this is this is russia um i'm sure it's earlier right you run out of older people pretty fast right so they were probably the same age. Probably. <laughs> disrespectful. So disrespectful. <laughs> Little girls. Jesus. Yeah. 
I was so angry when I read that. Um, so I mentioned this before. Um, another thing that they had at their disadvantage was they didn't get a ton of time to train. It was months. They got months. The men got years. Mm-hmm. So they were they were cramming. They really had to figure their shit out fast. Um, the next thing is they got hand-me-down uniforms, men's uniforms. A lot of them were super ill-fitting. Sure. Um, some women even had to stuff their boots with bed sheets just their to even get the boots. boots. No. Oh, wow. They got hand-me-down boots, too. All men's, and it was just whatever they had lying around. <laughs> so some women had to stuff bed sheets to get them even, like, remotely close to fitting. Wow. Crazy. At least they didn't have to run fast. I mean, I, I was thinking about that because I was like, can you imagine the blister situation that would happen? And I don't know what their, like, physical training was like outside of yeah. what their, like... Maybe there was a real blister situation. There probably was. I mean, I'm sure Gross. they weren't allowed to just, like, lay down all the time after being done with, like, their bombings. Sure. Makes my feet hurt so bad. <laughs> okay, here's here's the big thing. Here's the big thing. And this is what drives all of their tactics going forward. Their quote-unquote bombers were really crop dusters from the 1920s. Oh. And they are made of plywood and canvas. So let me, I will include this on, um, on the show notes. This is what their planes look like. Oh. And this is like the nicest version of them. That's, that's not a, that's not an army plane. No. An air force plane. No. This is what like sometimes their air force people would use to like practice flying with, do like some trainings with. No other unit was expected to fly this as like a bombing unit. And like I said, this is the nicest one. I saw some other ones that were pretty rough. Are the Wright brothers currently in that airplane? Right? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Exactly. It is insane. It is insane. So, um, I mean, looking at these and understanding that these were used in winter conditions, too. Yeah, it doesn't have, like, an enclosed cockpit. No. They're just out there. So these were actually considered a death wish if used in combat. Like, it was understood that these were not going to protect you at all. Does it have a seatbelt? <laughs> Can I you just mean, fall out? You might be able to. <laughs> I have another oh, quote scary. here that I'm going to read um, that talks about this. Um, so same article. Uh, Made out of plywood and canvas, pulled over, the aircraft offered virtually no protection from the elements. Flying at night, pilots endured freezing temperatures, wind, and frostbite. The harsh Soviet winters, in the harsh Soviet winters, the planes became so cold, just touching them would rip off bare skin. (gasps) No! So that's what these women are dealing with. This is what they were given. It was kind of like a joke, it seemed like. A bad one? Yeah. Holy cow. Really, really wild. If it's that cold on the ground, it's colder when you're flying in the air. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Cow. Well, and like, so, I mean, this will talk about it. They couldn't even fly very high because of the like planes themselves. They had to fly really, really low to the ground, which is the main reason why they only did nighttime missions. Oh, sure. Um, They're just like sitting ducks. Yeah. You, were, you would be so easy to see. Now, they did have... <laughs> They had the bonus and the downfall. They didn't get radar equipment nice. in these planes. Obviously, they're crop dusters. So instead of radar equipment, they were sitting here flying using rulers, stopwatches, flashlights, pencils, maps, and compasses. That's how they navigated. Oh, 
Yep. They, so not only were they brave and crazy, but they were also smart. Smart. Yes. They learned how to navigate and fly. Yeah. With a ruler. Mm-hmm. Damn. They had to go without a lot of luxuries that their male counterparts got to have because, again, these planes are plywood and canvas. Right. That's all they are. So you can't have a ton of weight in there. So they sure. went, they went oh, without yeah. parachutes. They did not get to have parachutes. They were flying what basically amounts to a sleepover fort, and they didn't even get a parachute. They didn't even get a parachute. Um, they went without legitimate guns. Um, they did get to have a handgun just in case they got captured so they could kill themselves beforehand. Oh. Which, like, I get that. At least there was something there. But also, yeah, they got a handgun. We couldn't guarantee they for sure were dying when that thing crashed. It's just popsicle sticks. It's just popsicle sticks. (laughs) That's all it is. And then they also didn't get to have radio equipment, which did help them be a little more stealthy. It's why people didn't know they were coming in the first place, but they couldn't talk to each other exactly. Or call anyone for help. No. And so out of all of, I think there was like about 400 people. I can't, I couldn't, I can't remember. I should have. I should have written this down. 400 people, I think, were the original, like, three units. Okay. Um, and then that got broken down. 32 of these women died. I mean, that's tragic, but it doesn't seem like a lot. It's kind of wild. I would have guessed way higher out of 400. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Insane. So that's, these are what, this is what they're given. They're given hand-me-down uniforms and toy planes. You know, when you, when you only have one chance... To become a part of something, you have to immediately rise to the occasion. Right. And a lot of times in those opportunities, a lot of people want you to fail. Yes. So they had to come up with everything, just like dig up everything from their guts and take it with them. Mm-hmm. And I, oh gosh, it made them pretty, pretty amazing. It did. Oof. It really Necessity, did. Um, the mother of invention and scary shit. It's true. Wow. It's true. Yeah. It's so ballsy. So ballsy. I didn't realize this because I'd, I'd heard of these these women before. Briefly. Not mm-hmm. much. I didn't know a ton about it. Um, I had no idea. I had no idea that this is what they had to go through. That's... I should have. I, I feel like I probably should have assumed a little bit, but. <laughs> well, oh you know gosh. what they say. If a woman's in charge of something that she had to work twice as hard for twice as long to get there than her male counterpart. So, yeah, it's true. And of course, it's true. It's also true in war. <laughs> you think everybody is would be lining up to leave. Right. So that they they would there'd be a lot of empty spaces. But that's really never the case, is it? No, never is. <laughs> never is. Absolutely not. Okay, so we've talked about the planes, which kind of drives the tactics that they have to use. So you mean the kites? The kites. That is what they are. My God. (laughs) It's crazy. So (laughs) these planes themselves, they could only hold two bombs, which is kind of wild that they can even hold that much. Sure. Um, So it was one underneath each wing. Um, So every night um, they would send out 42 person crews. Um, okay, so you're not alone in your little. You're not kite. alone. You have a. You have two. Person. So one person is kind of your navigator, okay. and one person's your pilot. Okay. Um. So, and they had to have they had to have forty 
of these two-person crews go out a night to even make an impact. So if it was less than that, like, what they would be doing wouldn't even be doing anything much in the first place. Because they're, they're, like, little bombs? They're they're smaller. And, I mean, looking at that plane, that makes sense. Sure, they kind of yeah. had to be. So, yeah. Because they're mostly meant to be obnoxious. Exactly. They're not really there to, like, kill the shit out of the enemy, I guess. I don't know. Just to ruin their lives Just so much to, that they can't do a good job. Yes. Okay. Um, and so each crew would actually have to complete between 8 and 18 missions a night. A night? A night. And they they could only hold two bombs, so they had to go fly back and forth. So they're flying out, they're doing the bombing, they're going back out, re- reloading, restocking, getting back with, like, getting back together, mm-hmm. flying back out again. 8 to 18 times wow. a night. The, the up and down of the adrenaline in your body... What must be nuts to deal with? I can't imagine. Just terrified. Now we're safe. But now I have to go back. Now I have to go back. And then we'll be oh, safe. Now oh, now I made it okay. Wow. Yep. Overwhelming. So overwhelming. To say the least. Right? <laughs> right? Um, so, again, we kind of talked about the planes can't handle a ton of weight. And the fact that they had these bombs on the planes made it so that with, that they had to fly at a lower altitude. Um, so, that was a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they flew in packs of three, so they weren't flying alone. So they were in packs of three planes. Okay. The front two planes were distractions. So you're just running around trying to like draw, draw the fire. attention, draw fire. Wow. Um, and then the last plane actually dropped the bombs. Okay. So I'm going to read from an article. It's from a website called task and purpose. Okay. Um, and this talks about how they actually fly. So again, I kind of told you like it was a whole dangerous maneuver to actually even be able to drop these bombs in the first place. Sure. Okay. So I'm going to read this. What made this so dangerous is the fact that the third plane to avoid detection would have to cut their engine and glide over their target as quietly and quickly as possible. Getting the engine back up and running after the drop so, again, their engine's not even running. They're just coasting. But going down so they but can drop a bomb. But going down so okay. they can drop a bomb. Okay. Um, so getting the engine back up and running after the drop was always a fingers crossed kind of scenario, given the age and ability of the aircraft. Oh. Yep. So that's that's how they did it. They cut their engines, would do this kind of like coasting dive, drop their bombs, and fingers crossed, their engine actually starts back up again. Because, again, these are 1920s crop dusting planes. Whoa! Mm-hmm. And only, I mean, I say only, it's a ton of women, but only 32 women died doing this. They're fierce as fuck. They're fierce as fuck. Holy moly. Um, yeah. Yeah. And they flew. So these women did this. This was their whole tactic every night was to do this, fly in packs of three, two mm-hmm. draw fire, one drops bombs. We go back. Eight to ten times to prep for this scenario. There's a bunch of sets of three. Yep. Just being, just harassing the lines. Yep. Wow. Wow. And this, this was what they did. This is what they did from 1942 until the end of the war. They, they did this through until the end of the war. Wow. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Wow. Thinking about that. Yeah. These women are amazing. So kicking ass, taking names. I feel like, I mean, this is what they did. And I feel like my story doesn't do them a ton of justice. So I'm going to talk about what their accomplishments were, what they did in the war. Um, So they were the most highly decorated unit in the Soviet Air Force. Wow. The most highly decorated unit, all being women. 
<laughs> All of them were women. Love it. 23 of them got awarded the title Hero of the Soviet Union. <gasps> that's a cool title. Right? So that's 23 of them. Two were awarded Hero of the Russian Federation. Okay. One got awarded Hero of Kazakhstan. They flew more than 30,000 missions. Oh, my gosh. They flew more than 30,000 missions. The pair, so the pilot and navigator, each one of those pairs averaged about 800 missions. 800 times you had to do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Either fly around hoping someone shoots you instead of the bomb people or turning off your engine. Dropping some bombs. And then hoping it turns, back, hoping on. It turns back on. 800, 800 times. times. 800 tiny heart attacks. Yep. Oof. That's crazy. So, again, the most highly decorated unit in the Soviet Air Force flew more than 30,000 missions. Um, this makes me livid. So, after the war, they're having big celebrations. In spite of everything that these women did, they weren't even allowed to participate in the Victory Day Parade in Moscow. They didn't get to wear their hero badges in the parade? Because their fucking planes were too slow. (gasps) The planes that they were given to work with and figure out, and they couldn't fly in the Victory Day Parade because these planes that they were given were too slow. (sighs) But it's it's their parade. It's their parade. (laughs) That sucks. It makes me so angry to read that. If at the end of this, you don't even get a parade. What was it all for? Well, and you don't get a parade because of this thing that was forced upon you. I'm sure they would have loved to have planes that actually, like, flew fast. and Would have been a lot less terrifying. Probably would. Your planes are too slow for my parade? Yep. I guess I don't like heroes in their parades. My bad. My my bad. Sorry. Oh, that makes me sad. I I actually kind of teared up a little bit when I read it. Because that, can you imagine, again, like you said, 800 mini heart attacks throughout the entire time that they were flying. 800 times that they might not have come home. Mm-hmm. 32 of them didn't. 32 of them did not. I mean, we hear all the time in the United States about how how difficult it is for our servicemen and women to come home to nothing. Right. And how crushing that is. Yes. Because people don't understand what you risked. Like how you're forever changed. Yeah. And for no one to acknowledge that is, is devastating to people. It is. For sure. We see it all the time. Oh, yeah. So for them to... <laughs> what they gave up and for for no one to understand and they weren't they weren't drafted they weren't forced to be there these women volunteered wow i mean at least they had each other yeah they had each other to know what what was real yeah wow but that's i mean that's That's them. They're incredible. They are incredible. The Night Witches are a bunch of badass women that I hope to be even, like, remotely as strong as. Seriously. Yeah, I, I, uh, sometimes my feminism really stops at the draft. (laughs) I don't, I don't love that. I get real scared. (laughs) I'd rather not Mm -hmm. go. Um, but that they showed up and said, give me something to do and I'll do it. Yeah. 
And then it turned out to be a really hard thing. Yes. Wow. Harder than it needed to be. Really? I don't even like to be cold. No. But that's like a, being like frostbitten and having your hand like have chunks of skin tear off because of how cold things are. While you're doing geometry. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. That's a ton. I, so I, I hugely admire them. I didn't recognize before how big like what they did was. Yeah. There's a comic book series that I came across while researching this. And I actually really... Or it's, like, not a comic book series. It's a, it's a, like, it is, like, a comic book, but it's not, I can't think of the right like word for this. Novel. A graphic novel. That's what I was looking for. Um, about them. Kind of about them. Like, roughly talking about them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool. I think we really need to bring more, like, visualization onto people like this. Yeah. Who did so much, suffered so much, and really kind of got hidden in the shadows. Yeah. For years, decades. And I, I feel like it's probably very common for women, for people of color, for, you know, just mm-hmm. people that are easy to forget. Yeah. If you don't look like Captain America. Right. Wow. That's, that's really amazing. It is. It is. I'm very, I'm, I'm proud to be the same stuff. Yes. I mean, I definitely don't have the same capabilities. No. Um, but I have the same girl parts. Yes. <laughs> and that, that is very cool. It is. What an amazing bunch of women. Right. And so eventually there were men on their teams too. Not the, not the, not the night witches, but there were men who went on the same kind of missions. Mm-hmm. In the same so, crap. I, I'm, I think so. I think okay. they were all night squadrons. I didn't really read a ton about the other two. Once I found out that they sure, branched off, I was like, guys. okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um. Yeah, I think I think they were doing similar things just based off of the little bit that I did read. That's so cool. I know. Um, to be a part of like the the tactics that move armies too is really mm-hmm. cool. Yes, that's very interesting. Wow, night witches! Damn. Mm-hmm. They the Nazis were so scared. The Nazis were so scared of them. <laughs> oh, I this, love that. this group of women. And like I said, I think my favorite part is just how angry that they got because they found out it was women, and it's like, yeah, no, <laughs> you're you're getting scared shitless by a group of awesome women who are way more badass than you. You know, when at first when you were talking about little girls, it got me thinking. We were talking about this. Am I in a book club? Um. About how we always call women girls, mm-hmm. but we don't call men boys. Right. And I'm really trying to to say women instead of like, hey, girls. Yeah. You know, because because I don't need to participate in that. Yes. I'm also trying to not say, hey, you guys. <laughs> I need to be better about that. <laughs> it is really hard to practice using inclusive language, mm-hmm. um, even though it's important to me. Mm-hmm. And so if that's a if that's a struggle for you, it's not because you're an asshole. No. And we'll keep getting better. It was a struggle for me. I'm now trying instead of saying guys, I say friends. Friends. Mm-hmm. Nice. I say y'all. I feel like mm-hmm. y'all is a very good general term. It's all it's everybody. Yeah. It's all, all y'all. All y'all. Yeah. Works yeah. out. I like that. Yeah. It's perfect. You can do different things. At work, um, one of the bosses says guys and gals he says you guys and gals <laughs> the, the pause there <laughs> and i i tr- i do appreciate the yes. effort but mm-hmm. i also maybe don't want to be called a gal so. i don't yeah <laughs> i don't 
don't know. I don't know. Mm. Maybe it's an age group thing. Maybe it is. <laughs> I just, there was one time at work where I was in a meeting where I knew exactly what I was talking about and I'd written the documentation on what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and some guy called me young lady. Oh, no. In this meeting. I was livid. Young lady? Young lady. I I was a young lady who didn't really know what I was talking about. Mm. And I wrote the book on what we were talking about. Literally. (laughs) Literally. Oh, jeepers. It was was a wild ride. It was a wild ride. My new new phrase that I use, I practiced it because I wanted it to sound professional. If you cannot address me as a peer, then do not address me. I need to hold on to that. I feel like it sounds like bitchy, but like but powerful and strong. And I'm not asking for something extreme. No, like, like and I'm not saying go fuck yourself. No, I'm but just you're saying, saying treat me as a person. Yeah. And if you're not capable of that, well, I don't want to talk to you. Mm-mm. Specifically one man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 oh, I, I had to go walk away that day. That was a that was a real bad day. It's complicated. It is. I I don't think that. I think sometimes they for sure understand what they're doing. Oh, they know exactly what they're doing. There, there is a there are a handful of times where they just say something mm-hmm. and think, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. And I wonder, I wonder if that might have been the case. I'm trying not to be as judgmental. Um, he is on the verge of retirement, so I mean, the yeah, work environment is things. different. Um, but I still don't love it. Did not enjoy that. I. Worked very hard to be in the position that I'm in, just Mm -hmm. like anybody else. Yeah. And I didn't call you a little boy. No, I did not. (laughs) Yikes. You know what? There's a quote that everybody's been posting from Betty White because she was always very um, in support of inclusion and and everyone having the same rights and opportunities and she says something about how like you can't tell me that you're from another time because I'm literally from that time right and and everyone's capable of changging yes and Betty White I miss her we're for sure gonna end up doing one of these for her we have to because she had such an enormous life she did you know what also is crazy that I'm seeing posted about her lately how the ladies in Golden Girls were only in like their 40s and 50s I thought about because I've been watching it recently and I was like they they're not that they're not that old what are they doing in a retirement community right they're not that old. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. What the things a hairstyle can do for your age. It's true. Oof. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh well. Thanks, Betty, for your wisdom. And just being who you were. Mm-hmm. Fucking night witches, man. Yeah. Oof. A lot of badass women today that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Women who got put through a lot. And men. Yeah. For the flight attendants now. Like, I mean. For something that's so bananas, being in the air. Yeah. All of this about being in the air. I think we really take that too casually. I'm going to keep emphasizing it. It doesn't make any sense. It's magic. People flying? Mm -hmm. What? It's. My brain kind of breaks. Like, I understand that, like, there's science behind this. My brain still breaks. Sure, sure. It's, it's a little cool. weird. But the uh, the amount of time it would take to sail across an ocean, mm-hmm. like we had to do something. <laughs> right. I'm really glad they came up with it. Same. Same. Mm. The things that people can do 
um, when they have time and opportunity or when they have an extreme need, mm-hmm. just the, the way that we change the way the world works with ideas. Yes. That's really amazing. So cool. And, and you know, how about girls do that too? Yeah. Uh, or when they do, how about we just put their name on Put it? their name on the project. Yeah. <laughs> That'd, That'd be, be really awesome. <laughs> um, on behalf of all the ladies, I would just like to say, please, we, yes, we we're not too modest. We would like credit for that. Yes, please. In case you were wondering. <laughs> we want credit for the things we that we do. We want credit for that and, and money. Yes. Credit and money. Equal money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> company posted on their website. Sorry, company, whose name I won't mention. Like, we pay women. They're proud of it. Like, 86 cents to the dollar. <laughs> when we pay men. And I was like, You're proud even of if this? it's bigger than normal, You're you not... shouldn't say it out loud on no, the front page. No, that's a real problematic <laughs> I'm thing. I'm so mad. <laughs> oh, my God. Every I forget it for five minutes, and then you bring it up. And I don't, I don't need to think about it all day long. Uh, no. <laughs> oh my god that's wild yeah it's wild we're proud of the fact that we underpay our women but hey at least yeah. it's not as underpaid as other places you know utah as a state ranks um the very highest for the difference in pay between men and women every year i am not surprised by that not surprised by it at all Mm-mm. you know what i what else is true i know a lot of really incredible professional women in utah yes who deserve all the dollars yes they do they crush it not very cash money of you utah not at all <laughs> well <laughs> i mean a, a little bit at a time just like the progress every other group has made mm-hmm. i wish ours could go a little faster same but i'm i'm on team let's keep going exactly exactly and honestly we were talking about this the other day oh maggie was talking about it hey mags um if you want to do it in a skirt, that's also fine and cool. Right. <laughs> so if you liked a flight attendant's outfit and you thought that that uniform was empowering and beautiful. Get it. Get it. If you want to wear men's boots, get it. Absolutely. Get it and get paid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's, that's another episode of Fabulous. Thanks for hanging out with us today, friends. 